ESPN Plus, Disney Plus, Hulu Plus, Paramount Plus, Apple TV Plus. Aren't there enough of these pluses out there? Well, not yet. Yes, it's Lance and Matt Plus, a new podcast presented by WFOB and WBBI. Okay, now we've got enough pluses. So let's join Lance Morris and Matt Kaufman for Lance and Matt Plus. Welcome on into this edition of Lance and Matt Plus, a podcast exclusively heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, online through WFOB and WBVI.com. I'm Lance Morris. He's Matt Common. Matt, how are you doing? Season two, baby. Woo! We made it. <laughs> Season two of Lance and Matt Plus. I am so excited. I, I am happy. I'm glad we're getting to do this again. A big, big thanks to everyone at Classic Hits 96.7 and WS. FOB 1430 getting us a chance to do this once again this off season. It's uh, I get so lonely in my bunker during the off season. I just I'm looking forward to reaching out once again and having opinions expressed and letting people know more about us because it's season two. We got to go deeper, man. We got to dig deeper into the inner minutia of who you and I are, what we believe, what broadcasters we like, what sports we like what we think about things going on in the world. We, we, we gotta, gotta give the audience more. They have clamored. Their voices have been heard from atop the mountaintop that season two was demanded. And by God, we are going to give them season two. You actually did talk about, uh, you did touch on some things I do want to touch on, you know, kind of throughout the, t- the, the off season. Cause we've, we've got time. That, that's one thing we now have. We now have actual, actual time. We have time, space, and opportunity. So uh, let's give the people what they want, which is clearly more of you and me talking about random nonsense or things going on in sports and around the world. That's clearly what the people want. Well, luckily, uh, luckily this summer, we don't have to, you know, worry about things like, oh, I don't know, Lance having to move his entire life, uh, things, things of that nature. We don't have to worry about that this time around. We don't. We're, we're both we're both settled in. You have your bunker in Arcadia. I have my bunker in Cleveland. And we're happy here. We're, we're blissful here. It's off-season mode. We can, we can kick back a little bit, enjoy it a little bit more, you know? Unwind. Maybe have a martini during the show. Who knows? Maybe a margarita. Why not? You never can be too sure. It's season two, man. Time to mix things up. Get creative with it. Um, I am all about this course on your uh, podcast uh on your podcast uh medium of choice be sure to rate review do uh, do all that good stuff subscribe follow whatever the terminology is i know that the terms have changed over the last handful of uh, of months so do do all those good things on the different podcast services uh to let uh, to let matt and i know you in fact do want to hear more of us and we will continue to give you more of us and we'll We'll do this once a week or so, twice a week or so. It depends uh, Depends on how much news is going on, depends how much I feel like talking to Matt, which, depending on the day, can be a lot less than normal. Depending on the day, could be more than normal. Th- those days are much more few and far between, but that, uh, that is you the case. You and I both know you love talking to me. Don't, 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 don't play the audience. I, I'm like one of your five favorite people to talk to. Ten favorite people to talk to. Uh, Fifteen people to talk to. Uh, maybe maybe twenty. 
God, I, I do make the top 25, right? I, I at least make it on the coaches poll, right? Yeah, begrudge. Okay, that's fair. I can work with that. I, I can respect that. Oh, is there is there anything else you need to touch on or, or are you or are you ready or are you ready to go? I am already ready to go, man. <laughs> the sun is shining, the grass is green, the Cleveland Browns are backwater stupid once again. So I feel like I'm in a more natural environment than we've been in the last couple of years. So yes, I'm absolutely ready to go again. Well, as uh, as Matt so uh I would say alluded to, but he really didn't allude. He pretty much came out and said it. For as great as things uh, were for the Browns during the uh, 2020 and 2021 season, where they won a playoff game on the road against the Steelers, were a terrible missed call away from playing in the AFC Championship game, but end up losing to the Kansas City Chiefs. Since uh, since then, there there's definitely been more uh, bad than good with the Browns last season. A big disappointment where the team still narrowly missed the playoffs all all those close games seemed to go the opposite direction and uh, not be in favor of the Browns. Uh, Baker Mayfield played hurt a good chunk of the season. The Odell Beckham mess, of course, playing a role as well. But the uh, the Cleveland front office, they've uh, they've made their own choice on, on the future of the team, essentially just by attempting to pursue and try and get Deshaun Watson. Baker Mayfield uh, then asks the team for a trade and the Team said the equivalent of nah, bro. And as thrilled as I am that they were unsuccessful to get Watson, the damage has ultimately been done, and it now appears as if Baker Mayfield has played his last down for the team. Oh, and by the way, this comes after they were able to get Amari Cooper for basically nothing the weekend prior. What are what are your thoughts on uh, on everything that we've that we've seen the last week or so with the Browns? So. First of all, let's touch on the season as a whole. The Cleveland Browns definitely had a disappointing season. There's no denying that. There's no gain around that fact. If there is a person out there or a fan out there that says the season was disappointing because Baker Mayfield is a bum, one of three things occurs with that person. Number one, they have never hurt themselves in any way, shape, or form, never had an injury of any type, and have had a pristine body to work with their entire lives. Two, they have never played the game of football. And three, their version of football is probably best reserved on Madden or fantasy football. Because the Browns were a mess, Baker Mayfield was a part of that. Making him the scapegoat is possibly the dumbest thing the Browns could do in a long line of dumb things the Browns could do. Odell Beckham only ran his route 20% of the time. One out of five passes to Odell Beckham were on the correct route. That's not on Baker Mayfield. That's on Odell Beckham. Half the team got COVID again this year. That's not on Baker Mayfield. Half the team got hurt again this year. Baker Mayfield played the whole year with a torn labrum, and then the last 10 games of the year with a completely fractured shoulder blade. That part is on Baker Mayfield continuing to play, but even that, that's really on the coaching staff to let him play, to sit there and go, oh, well, he's a big man. He can make his own decisions. You're the head coach. You are the general manager. You're the trainers. 
Your job is to train. Your job is to coach. Your job is to manage. In all those situations, you failed astonishingly with Baker Mayfield. Like to the level of I'm sitting here now thinking it was deliberate. That it was actual sabotage by the Cleveland Browns because they didn't want Baker Mayfield anymore. And the, the choice of person that they decided to actively show that they were recruiting. Don't get me wrong. We did our top 10 list for quarterbacks last summer in season one. And we specifically excluded Deshaun Watson because of everything that started happening with him. Correct. And we excluded him, but also said in the same breath, if he were innocent of all these things, he's certainly in the top five. So make no mistake, Deshaun Watson is a very talented quarterback. It also sounds like he's a very talented sexual predator. I am disgusted that the Cleveland Browns went after him so blatantly and openly. I'm disgusted that part of their sales pitch was, don't worry, Cleveland will help you repair your image. No, I'm, I'm not about repairing someone's image. That's not what this team should be about. What about accountability, owning stuff, being smart, being analytical? The trade package that got leaked, three first-round picks, two second-round picks, Denzel Ward, Kareem Hunt, and JOK? No. In, in what planet does Andrew Barry and company, or more importantly, Jimmy, I let homeless people tell me to draft Johnny Manziel Haslam, Think that getting rid of those players, but only adding Deshaun Watson makes the team better. It doesn't. It makes the team so much worse. And it just, it, it floors me. And I, I'm going to say this part for Deshaun Watson. Yes, a grand jury in Texas, which apparently is the most insane state in the union by a wide margin, based on everything else we see coming out of the news every day from them did not have enough evidence to convict. So in the eyes of the law, federally in the eyes of the law, he is innocent. That is correct. He showed up late to his interview with the Browns because he was still going into a deposition for the civil suits, which he can still get charged a boatload of money, still be found accountable, still get suspended by the NFL. And then the Browns act surprised that Baker Mayfield wants a trade? that they start leaking to the press. Oh, we want an adult as a quarterback. Well, you know what? I want an adult as a head coach. Not like, because I'm an adult. I want an adult to your adult. You know, an adult that will tell his quarterback, hey, you're literally falling apart because our offensive line is hurt. You're shutting it down for the rest of the season. So you'll be okay next year. I want an adult to your adult as a GM to look at Jimmy I let a homeless man tell me to draft Johnny Manziel in the face when he walks in with his God-blessed, you know, I say, I say, I say now kind of nonsense as he is just a complete cartoon character of a human being. I would like a GM to sit there and say, no, I am not selling the farm for one quarterback that we're only going to get for seven freaking games this season. Just... I would like them to do that instead of getting on a plane to Houston to then try and sway the guy who, frankly, I've been calling him on Twitter the whole time, frankly, a sexual predator. 
22 cases. I, I understand he was found innocent by a grand jury or found not with not enough evidence. 22 people did not lie about this. This is not some grandiose conspiracy against Deshaun Watson. And actively tried to recruit him. And then when Baker Mayfield says, okay, you don't want me. I want out of here. Us going, no, you have to honor your contract. Well, how about you honor your own team? Show him some respect and not go actively hunting for his replacement and then being shocked and astonished when he's offended by that. Just the, the Browns looked somewhat normal. Like maybe not completely normal two years ago when they made the playoffs. I mean, there was still a little bit of dysfunction here and there, some weird stuff going on but they at least looked kind of normal again. This season, they started to get a little dysfunctional. And in the span of three days, they took what was an amazing steal of a trade in Amari Cooper for practically a pack of peanuts and turned it into a sideshow circus car again here in Cleveland. So I don't know, man. I mean, for me, if I'm Baker Mayfield, I hold my ground. I don't play a single down for Cleveland this season. I don't show up. I don't do anything. I tell them, trade me. I tell them, send me to a team that wants me to be here. I say, send me to Indianapolis, send me to Seattle, send me to Tampa so I can learn behind Brady for a year. Send me to Minnesota to replace Kirk Cousins. Send me to the Giants. I don't don't care. Send me somewhere besides here, because at least at those places, I may actually be wanted. And they... They do still have, I think that's the one thing we should point out is the Browns as bad as they've handled this the last week plus, they can turn around and make it better. They can offer the extension that they weren't offering before. They can offer the money that they weren't offering before. And yeah, it might not solve the dysfunction. It might not solve other things in the front office. But it then would reaffirm Baker, yeah, we might, maybe we shouldn't have been pursuing Deshaun Watson. That's our bad. They do still have the ability to make it right. Now, the million dollar question, can they or will they make it right? That's that's what we just don't know the answer to. Maybe they do and, and maybe they don't. The, the Browns owner was talked into drafting Johnny Manziel by a homeless man. He engaged in God-blessed coupon fraud with Pilot Flying J. He is also the equivalent of Yosemite Sam in human form. They are not going to get this right. They're totally going to screw this up. And you're right. That's the sad part. That's really the sad part of this whole thing. Because this whole week should have been nothing but a celebration and excitement of, oh my God, look what we have on this team now. We just got Amari Cooper, the quite literal anti-OBJ. OBJ runs his mouth, says a lot of things, very hyper and emotional on the sidelines. Amari Cooper, he's like Nick Chubb. If he scores a touchdown, you wouldn't know it. He just tosses the ball and does his thing, and that's it. He runs routes perfectly, one of the best route runners in the NFL. We were in the running for Allen Robinson. Obviously, that didn't pan out, but now word is we're in the running for Robert Woods from LA, who for my money, one of the 10 best receivers in terms of possession receivers in the NFL, but he never gets talked about because of Cooper cup 
Todd Gurley and all these players have come and gone through LA over the past few years. Robert Woods is an incredible wide receiver. If they can get him to pair with Amari Cooper and then with whoever they draft at 13, that's an incredible receiving core. Absolutely incredible. The other moves they've made, Tavon Bryant. I like Tavon Bryant. I liked him coming out of college. I thought he was a bad fit in Jacksonville. I think he'll work better in Cleveland. I like that they brought back Anthony Walker as a stability at the linebacker position. Just so many of these things up until it came to quarterback were looking so good. And now it's, I, I don't know if you can fix it because how do you tell Baker, okay, well, we'll give you the extension you want. You know, that nice initially was like five year, $140 million, something in that effect. If I'm Baker, I'm like, no, I want 200 million. I want what I was supposed to get and then 60 million for you guys being idiots to go try and get a sexual predator. It's like, I, I don't see how they can repair that. And what's made even worse by this whole thing is the image it gives the Cleveland Browns. We were a team that was, you know, we valued accountability. Sure, we had Kareem Hunt, we've had Kareem Hunt on the roster. That was questionable. And what he did was inexcusable in his own time as well. And I stand by that. I, I, I enjoy watching Kareem Hunt play. I'm not going to pretend I don't. It still doesn't make it any less icky that he's on the team. But the fact that now the rumors coming out are that, okay, well, they're going to trade Baker Mayfield or try and force Baker Mayfield to stick around, but they're going to bring in Jameis Winston to compete against him. James Winston had almost an entire documentary about college assault based around him. It's just like, I'm, I'm so disgusted with the ownership and management of the Browns right now. And the thing that really irks me about it outside of these two moves, just outside of these two moves, Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski have been absolute gold. Outside of these two moves in this offseason, they've been gold this offseason. Outside of forcing and letting Baker Mayfield continue to play during the season when he clearly was hurt, they have done an amazing job with this team. It's just, it's, it staggers the mind that they had been doing a good job. And then Jimmy Haslam and D Haslam, which by the way, if I'm D Haslam, I have no idea how I look at a female employee the same way you were the face of the whole getting Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski and you're somehow involved in Deshaun Watson just I, oh god that I could get on a rant about that but I'm not going to it's just it, it it kills me because we went from doing things very well to so wildly dysfunctional I think the team needs to be blown up to completely rebuild, talking like in our five, six-year rebuild because it has gone that dysfunctional in the span of three days. That's, I mean, that is what encompasses the entire NFL in in some some aspects because that's, that's the big thing. Unless you have a Rodgers or Brady or now Mahomes, once his contract fully kicks in, you are so incentivized to strike gold on 
a quarterback, whether they're a first round or late rounder, you're so incentivized to strike gold on it because you don't have to pay them for the first four or five years. It allows you to build around them because you, you don't have to spend all that money on quarterback. And we saw Kansas City do it with, with Mahomes. We're seeing the Chargers do it right now with Herbert. And that's now the position the Browns are in is you now are on the last year of that with Baker Mayfield. And now we don't even know if he's going to be the guy that is running things for the team as the quarterback. And because of that, it then leads to questions all across the line because, yeah, the Browns can make a trade and go get another quarterback that's maybe not even better than Baker, but has a different contract situation than Baker. And it then becomes another saga of, oh, this guy's now the quarterback, even though we know he's not the future, he's the quarterback for the the now, and we're going to get our guy in a year or two once uh, once there's a good one in the draft. Because as we've, we've talked about before, this current uh, quarterback class in the 2022 draft does not look to be anything special. There's going to be a couple guys that maybe are first-rounders and some are even fringe first-rounders. So it doesn't appear like you're going to find the successor this year at the very earliest, and that next season would be the time you are looking to do that. And then once you do that, it then kind of resets the window, if you will, if you then are able to get the right quarterback and are able to then move on from Baker. But then you have to actually get the right quarterback. That's the part people are forgetting is you need to nail the Justin Herbert pick. You can't get it wrong because then it just makes everything else that much harder when you're trying to still figure out that position. Well, and I, I think the problem that we have with the NFL right now is it's a zero sum game. It's an absolute instant gratification game. And the, the, the part that boggles my mind is this whole quarterback nonsense. I mean, people give up on quarterbacks after a season now. Uh, say what you will. I, I don't think he's ended up panning out. Josh Rosen deserved more than 10 games as the starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, that's just absurd that he only got 10 games before he got shipped off to Miami. Now, hindsight being 2020, he clearly showed, you know, not necessarily the guy in that regard. But people seem to think that the only quarterbacks that win are these mega elite once-in-a-generation talents that you see them for two seasons, like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to Canton by the time his his career is over. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Brad Johnson won a Super Bowl. Joe Flacco has won a Super Bowl. Nick Foles has won a Super Bowl. I can just go down the list of some of the people that have won it in recent years that are not Brady and Manning. And it's, it's not always this mega elite talent. I know it's misleading. I know it sounds counterproductive. It's not always the mega talents that are winning. And you're not going to find a Aaron Rodgers every draft. You're not going to find a Pat Mahomes every draft. This draft especially, God love them. I think Pittsburgh and Washington are probably the two teams most in the running for a quarterback in round one. The only one I'd even remotely give a first round grade to right now is Malik Willis out of Liberty. And I think he's two years away from being a legitimate starter. I really do. I think he's got the best ceiling out of everybody. 
but I think he's a good year or two away at minimum. So this is not the draft to be messing around with this. And I've been saying from the beginning, because I, I know on Twitter, I get accused of being a Baker bro and whatever, the, just whatever the hell they call that nowadays on Twitter anyway. But what I've been clamoring for is you give Baker every top flight skill position player you could get your hands on. You give him elite wide receiver core. You draft a Garrett Wilson or a Drake London at 13 or a Chris Olave at 13. You take a Romeo Dobbs or a Justin Ross or uh, like a Javian Hiley or something like that in the third or fourth round. You give Baker every opportunity to succeed this season because his contract is up. And if it doesn't pan out, next year's draft is C.J. Stroud, Grayson McCall, and Bryce Young. And if it doesn't pan out with Baker Mayfield this year, you're going to be in the running for one of those three guys. So why mess with it this year? Why break the system up this year when you're so close to if it doesn't work out, you can have a good natural reboot of the system? That for me just makes no sense. And that's for any quarterback at this point. Why not build around the guys up until that last season, give them the best talent they can possibly have. And if they still don't pan out, it's not on you as a coach. It's not on the rest of the players. It's on the quarterback then. So I'm sorry, the offensive line that we have, if we have Amari Cooper, Garrett Wilson, Robert Woods, or Chris Olave or Traylon Burks or Drake London with Nick Chubb in the backfield, David and Joku as our tight end. If you're a quarterback halfway worth your salt, you should throw for 4,000 yards. So if it doesn't work out with Baker this year, okay. Whatever quarterback you bring in next has a boatload of talent around them already and should be immediately successful or at least have the ability to be immediately successful instead of train wrecking the whole operation, showing how disloyal you are to your own players. And frankly, if it's a train wreck of a season, running the risk of having to rebuild and having these quarterbacks for next year's class say, no, I'm going to hold out if I get drafted by Cleveland and pull a John Elway or Eli Manning. If I'm a quarterback, I wouldn't want to come here right now. I don't care how talented the roster is. I'd run screaming in the other direction because this place is run by a bunch of lunatics. You can, uh, you can, you can talk about the not great stuff that this organization has done because they've done some not great stuff, but that's kind of, you talked about, you know, getting skill guys, getting the right guys around uh, your, your young quarterback. You can talk bad about some of the other stuff the dolphins have done. But they are appearing, at least, to give Tua everything they can. I mean, you can talk about how the the Brian Flores saga ended, but they went out and they wanted to find an offensive-minded coach, and they put him in place with Mike McDaniel, and they're trying to get the skill guys they can. They obviously drafted Jalen Waddell in the first round last season. They're doing it at least kind of the right way, even though some of the things around Flores and all that weren't uh, weren't quite so savory. Well, yeah, and I, the other one that I'd re- say look at is Jacksonville. I mean, 
Yeah, they're spending all the money. Ur- 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 Urban Meyer was an absolute train wreck, and everyone kind of saw that coming from a mile away. But they went out and got Christian Kirk. They got um, Zay Jones. They signed, um, I guess, who they signed a tight end as well. They got a big name at tight end also, but they're building around these guys. Chicago is pulling a Cleveland right now. Justin Fields, God love him. I don't know who he gets to throw to anymore. Poor guy. Bless his heart. It's just, I, I really hope that he gets out of there in a hurry. I <laughs> just don't want to see him get ruined by Chicago. But yeah, I mean, Miami's done a great job. I mean, Raheem Mossert and Chase Edmonds coming in as a uh, running backs are going to have a legitimate running back room there. Mike McDaniel, his offense is much more suited for what Tua can do as well as the players that they have on staff already and on team already. And that, that's a prime example. It, that's a team that, yeah, Tua has not been amazing so far. He's kind of struggled. He is, he's looked very, very human compared to other quarterbacks and other rookies that have come out, but they're building around him all the same. They're giving him the support. They're letting it work out the way it's supposed to work out. And I, I, I'll use a point that you made earlier with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert comes in. They re-up with Keenan Allen. They re-up with Mike Williams. They're bringing the band back together. They're improving the defense even more. I mean, my God, you want to talk about a team building around their quarterback. They made sure that their number two receiver stayed in San, San Diego, stayed in Los Angeles. They brought in Khalil Mack. They brought in JC Jackson. I mean, it's, they have really done a good job with it. The Browns, like, again, it's infuriating because that Amari Cooper deal is just sitting out there like this incredible beacon of hope for what this organization can do on a day in day out basis what Andrew Barry does as a general manager. It's like, my God, you, you got exactly the type of receiver that we need for what amounts to a single fifth round pick since you're swapping sixth round picks. So one fifth round pick got you an elite wide receiver that fits exactly with this system, exactly the type of player we need at the wide receiver position. You gracefully let Jarvis Landry be released. So he can have options, which by the way, there's still a decent chance Jarvis Landry comes back to Cleveland. That has never been ruled out at any point, just on a lesser contract. So it's, it's so infuriating with the Browns because they, there's so many times where you look at it and go, you did this right. Wyatt Teller is an amazing offensive lineman. They extended his contract already. Joel Batonio got the extension. Personally, I disagree with the JC Treader release, but if they think Nick Harris is ready, then Nick Harris is ready. You got to give them the benefit of the doubt on that one. It's There's so many moves that they've done where I'm like, wow, this looks really good. And in three days, we're back to the incompetent clowns of the NFL again. It's just, it, it's infuriating. It, it's really hard as a fan. One, it's really hard as a fan to continue to put up with it. That's just a fact. But two, because of the people and the types of players they're trying to get to be quarterback, it's actually becoming hard to even root for this team. Like, I'm sorry. It was already kind of, uh, I don't know, because of Kareem Hunt. You mean to tell me as an organization, you're so hell-bent on winning one Super Bowl. One Super Bowl. 
that you will sell the farm for a man with 22 sexual assault charges against him or a man in Jameis Winston who had to settle outside of court for millions of dollars with one of his five sexual assault cases that he's had against him in his career. Those are the types of people that we want to have on our kids' posters in their bedrooms. Those are the players that we want young female fans to be able to say, yeah, this is the type of team I root for. I have a problem with it. I have a huge problem with that. I just do. And I understand, again, this is very important. I understand criminally there have been no charges filed for either Jameis Winston or Deshaun Watson. And frankly, there's not going to be. The, the grand juries each time did not find enough evidence to support that. So in, in the eyes of the law, they are innocent. In the court of public opinion, however, neither one has gotten past it. Deshaun Watson's got a long way to go. Jameis Winston is potentially on his third team by now, and he still hasn't gotten past it. So I don't know. For me, it's that that's where the big issue lies. You have so many good things the Browns have done just to astonishingly screw it up and astonishingly tarnish everything that the Browns have done since Barry and Stefanski have taken over because of these, again, just these two moves, just these two moves have seriously tarnished the Browns image for everybody. Speaking of possibly screwing things up, Devontae Adams will be traded from the Packers to the Raiders. They're giving him a five-year extension that will make him the highest paid receiver in the league. I'm maybe, maybe it's the incorrect assumption, but I'm making the assumption Aaron Rodgers might've known about this before he signed his massive extension. And at least for his sake, I hope that was the case, but I, I don't understand trading away the best receiver you've had. I would say at least the last two decades, maybe even longer than that, trading him away because you want to get some draft picks and you don't want to pay the man what he is worth. I, I don't see how you make your team better in the short term, especially by doing that. Well, I mean, it makes all the sense in the world to me. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has been on record saying Devontae Adams is like a brother to him. And we've seen how Aaron Rodgers handles his brother in the real world. So it makes sense that he would ship him off to Las Vegas. Um, Look, here's the big thing. Devontae Adams is an incredible wide receiver. He is easily the best receiver in the NFL. And I'd say he's got a comfortable margin over guys like DeAndre Hopkins, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, uh, Cooper Cup, and Mike Evans, if I'm going to throw Evans in there, because he rightly deserves to be in that conversation as well. But for my money, I think Devontae Adams is better than all of them by a wide margin. He's also 29 years old. He's about to be on the wrong side of 30 as a receiver in a pass-heavy system. So he got a lot of touches, a lot of hits. And I I don't think he would have made it successfully through a five-year contract. I think you would have seen the wheels come off at some point. So I get why Green Bay did this. I do. And I can honestly say if there is a year to do that, it is this year. Because I think this is one of the deepest wide receiver classes we've seen in a long time. Um, so at 22 and 28, honestly, they could pick back-to-back receivers if they want to at 22 and 28 now, 
And I think that'd be reasonable. But you, you could end up with Traylon Burks and Jahan Dotson from Penn State. And that's a pretty good receiver core then for Aaron Rodgers. That, that's a pretty good core then once again. So I don't know. I mean, if you're Las Vegas, you're on cloud nine. You just gave Derek Carr the ultimate security blanket of a wide receiver. His former college go teammate. With, what was that? His former college teammate. They went to Fresno State together. Yeah. Former college teammate. Devontae gets to go home because he wanted, he's always wanted to play in Vegas. You have Darren, Darren Waller gets a lot of pressure taken off of him now as a wide receiver. Josh Jacobs, a lot of pressure taken off of him as a receiver out of the backfield. You still have Hunter Renfro who really developed into a quality talent this year for the Raiders. So yeah, I I think, I think if you're the Raiders, it's an arms race in the AFC West and you just stockpiled pretty nicely. So I think it's a good move for them. I'm not sure by year four or five, they're going to think it's a good move, but it's going to get them over the hump. The Raiders are going to make the playoffs with Devontae Adams. And as for Green Bay, it, it comes down to entirely what you do with those picks. There's a lot of good receivers available in free agency. I could see Juju Smith-Schuster ending up there. I could potentially see Odell Beckham ending up there. There's some good, talented receivers beneath those guys, like on that next run of receivers that are still out there. And they still have guys like um, Marquise Velding, Stalling, and um, Alan Lazard. They're still good receivers in Green Bay. They're just not Devontae Adams. So... The, how, how this trade shakes out is going to be entirely on what Green Bay does with the rest of free agency and those picks that they just got from the Raiders. Other moves in free agency that you've liked, disliked, have been somewhere in the middle. I know Von Miller going to Buffalo certainly helps that. Buffalo defense, what are what are some of the other moves you've uh, you've liked so far from uh, from what we've seen in free agency? I mean, if I'm Von Miller, I like that move to Buffalo. They're going to give me $120 million to not successfully finish that contract. Sure. That's, I'll take it. That's, that's a really good move. If you ask me, um, no, honestly, what I've liked so far from free agency, you haven't seen anyone besides Cleveland. You haven't seen anyone do anything really outrageous which has been nice. I really like a lot of Miami's moves. I I like Miami's moves. I like Jacksonville's moves quite a bit. I I really think, I I know people were dogging the Christian Kirk signing for almost 20 million a year. Kirk has been behind two of the best receivers in the history of the NFL and DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald. And he's done good behind those two guys. Is he necessarily a wide receiver one? I don't know. We're going to find out. But I think in the system that Peterson's going to put together for them down there in Jacksonville, I think it could pan out nicely. I really do. Um, everything that the LA Chargers have done, I've every move they've made, I've absolutely loved it so far. And a, a team that's made some concerningly smart and practical moves, the New York Jets. They've actually done some practical things. I've been a little concerned. I'm not used to the Jets doing things well in free agency or the offseason. They did not, after one bad season with Zach Wilson, go completely crazy and try to sell the farm again. It's They started building around him a little bit more. It's, it's kind of refreshing 
like may, maybe the Jets have returned to a sense of normalcy that we haven't seen in a while. That, that would be fun. And uh, uh, you know me, you, you know, I like Tampa Bay. I, I would like to go through a laundry list of moves, but you know what? Papa Brady came back. That's all I care about. I don't have to, I don't have to hope for Kyle Trask to turn out. I get one more year of Brady. So of course I like what the Bucks did. And uh, up until the Deshaun Watson thing, I loved what Cleveland was doing. I really did. I really liked what they were doing. And the fact of the matter is there's a lot of elite talent that still has not been picked up. So there's a lot of moves that still need to be made out there that I'm floored haven't happened yet. Did he or did he not, Tom Brady, did he return A, because of the high gas prices, B, because he was finally spending time with his family and he wanted to go back to football, C, a combination of both? Well, let me just express clearly having family live with me. Family is the most wonderful thing in the world. It's always good to have family. It's always great to come home to family. It's absolutely that he had to spend. No, I'm kidding. Uh, No, I think it was just... The, all joke is, I really think it was just the fact that he really wasn't done. I, I mean, how do you, if you're Tom Brady, that type of competitive person, you finish the year number one in passing, you finish the year number one in touchdowns, you finish the year number one in completion percentage. Basic, statistically speaking, your best year since 2007 with that undefeated team, or I'm sorry, 18 and one team. How do you retire at that point? Because he didn't finish with a Super Bowl. So for me, I, I, it always felt off that he was hanging it up after this season, especially one season away from hitting 45, which is what he had talked about repeatedly. So I, I think it was really just he wasn't done. But if I were to guess, probably guess. that I mean, I think he drives like a, big truck or SUV kind of like I do. So I'd say gas That's probably the most likely scenario. Cause you know what? It's, it's not cheap right now. It's no. not, no, it's, it's, not it, it's a little absurd, but that's, that, that's a conversation for another time, by the way, for anyone listening, you don't like the gas prices. Talk to the gas companies, Democrat, Republican, doesn't matter who's in office. They have nothing to do with it. Talk to the gas companies. They're the ones that politely encourage them to lower the prices. That's all I'm going to say on the matter. This friendly, friendly tidbit. Now, you know, type of situation here on Lance and Matt plus. Staying in the world of sports, but switching over to basketball had the first round of the NCAA basketball tournament yesterday. Big upset 15 seed St. Peter's taking down Kentucky in overtime and St. Peter's hung in that game the whole way. It was really, yeah, the seeding makes it not a surprise, but after watching almost all of that game, was certainly not shocked by the way they were able to win that one. Shooting uh, shooting 9 for 17 from 3 uh, certainly uh, certainly didn't hurt either. Uh, big uh, Other big games, uh, New Mexico State as a 12 seed, uh, was able to take down UConn, 9 seed Memphis, edging out 8 seed Boise State. Uh, UCLA came back to defeat Akron. Michigan started slow, but used a big second half to down Colorado State. Nine seed Creighton needed OT, but they were able to take down San Diego State. Uh, I don't know how much of it uh, you got to watch, but what were uh, what were some of your big takeaways from uh, day one of March Madness? 
Well, once again, I'm happy to report on day one of March Madness that my bracket has completely gone to hell. So I'm, I'm very pleased to report that that tradition continues gloriously for me. And furthermore, I am, I am so shocked with you, Lance. What? I'm so shocked with Why? you right now. A team named the Peacocks won, and you have nothing from the other guys about peacocks and you're a peacock captain you gotta let me fly you have nothing queued up ready to go in this glorious moment i uh i don't have a good defense for myself this is this is a bit this is a big wolf and a big miss on your head sir um I, I'm prepared. I, I, I don't, I'm prepared I don't to give have you a 20 good, seconds. I don't have so, a good way to transition from that. I am prepared to give you 20 seconds to run to the nearest YouTube and pull up the I'm a peacock captain. You got to let me fly. I mean, I am prepared it, it, to it let you do that. It wouldn't take very long. I know it wouldn't. That's why I'm giving you a full 20 seconds. That's it's like the number 15 seed. First of all, they killed my bracket. I had Kentucky going to the final four. I actually had them going to the national title game. So I already hate St. Peter's, <laughs> but I love them because their mascot is the Peacocks. That is, that is so okay? I am a Peacock. You gotta let me fly. One more time. Hit it again. Peacock, you gotta let me fly. Did he just say a he's a team peacock? called the Peacocks won? <laughs> oh, if I'm gonna have my bracket completely obliterated, at least it's by a team named the Peacocks. That makes me feel better. Which is crazy to think about. Did you see that stat on that one, Lance? That only 743 brackets are still valid after day one. I mean, it's only the tenth time of fifteen seed has been a two, so that uh, that doesn't truly surprise me a whole lot. Well, not that much, but I, I mean, even I think because they actually showed it had Kentucky still won, there was only going to be like nineteen hundred that were still correct from some of the other upsets that occurred. I mean, it was a crazy bracket killing day yesterday in the NCAA, but. I'll tell you what, got to watch most of them. It was fun. It was really fun to watch some of those games. It's you, you forget how much fun March Madness is when there's a crowd. Yeah. And you get the student sections going, you get the fan bases going. You got to give hats off to the cheerleader from Indiana. <laughs> yeah. That is that is one of those best tape moments you could possibly have. For those of you not in the know, the ball got stuck on top of the basket, on top of the backboard in indiana's opening round game and they couldn't reach it the official couldn't reach it with a broom the players couldn't reach it so two of the cheerleaders walk over they put the cheerleader up on the other one's shoulders pick her up with the not even with the broom just pick her all the way up and she just grabs the ball like it's no big deal it was amazing maybe my highlight besides the peacocks winning of course of day one of the ncaa tournament I mean, my highlight would have been Michigan losing, but then they had to go around and have a good second half. Yeah, but you knew that was going to happen. I didn't you knew know it was going to happen. I could have figured it was going to happen. But and, after, and after watching that first half, I 
I was not convinced at all Michigan was going to find a way because it was their whole game was giving the ball inside to Hunter Dickinson and hoping something good happened. And look, it's Juwan Howard as the head coach. He's part of the Fab Five. He does not have a good track record in the NCAA tournament. Give him time. Things should work out in the end where Michigan does not move too far in this thing. It's always something with, with the Fab Five. You just, you just love bringing them up. They called it the, the only reason they do not go down as the greatest NCAA basketball team in history is because Chris Weber called a timeout without any timeouts left. That, that, is the most, that is the most Cleveland way to lose something without being Cleveland to have ever happened in sports. And it happened to a team that for all intents and purposes would have gone down in the same era, in the same category as those like early 90s Duke teams or early 2000 North Carolina teams as just one of the absolute best of all time. And instead, they're a footnote and the worst kind of footnote. They're a footnote of what not to do. So, yes, if you give me an opportunity to bring up the Fab Five, I am absolutely going to bring up the Fab Five. How many of the Fab Five have you met in person, Matt? Yeah, jokes on you. I haven't met any of the Fab Five in person. Okay, I've met two of the five, so boom. Wait, how's that joke on God, that is the joke on you. You got the better of that exchange. I don't like it. Try again. <laughs> Do it again. Uh I met uh I met Jalen after a uh, live show for uh, Jalen and Jacoby, gosh, five years ago at this point, and uh and uh Jim Jackson was there too. Okay, who we'll rub that in? Why don't you? I met members of the Fab Five, Matt. Have you? No. I, whenever, that one, Matt. When else am I going to have a way to work that reference in? I don't know. I mean, I find a way to work the Fab Five in anytime we talk college basketball. I'm sure if you believe hard enough, Lance, you could find a way to work in that you've met Jalen Rose and Jim Jackson into any college basketball conversation you really want to have. I could, the same way you bring Tanner Schrader up every single chance you can. Look, Tanner Schrader is arguably the greatest overall athlete I've seen in Northwest Ohio, okay? Just going to leave it at that. And I somehow brought him into season two of this podcast. I didn't bring him up. You brought him up first. I want the record to show that. Yeah, yeah, the record record shows that. I said his name first. I'm just saying, I hadn't planned on bringing him up today. Now that I'm thinking, let's explain why Tanner Schrader should have been all state as a quarterback instead of a punter. (laughs) I mean, we don't have that that kind of time. Ha! Joke's on you. We do have that kind of time. It's a podcast. We can make it as long or as short as we want. (laughs) See, now you've... You've given me the conundrum where it's it would be funny for me to end the podcast right here, but I also don't know what else you wanted to talk about. Well, I have plenty I want to talk about, but I wanted to hear what you wanted to talk about. Well, if there's other things you have you want to bring up, go right ahead. Okay, so let me explain why he should have been all okay, state. Aside from Tanner freaking Schrader. <laughs> well, here here's actually a good one, and I would love your thoughts on this, Lance, because We will have Major League Baseball this season, much to the chagrin of Rob Manfred and the Dolans. So my question to you, two-parter, 
with all the lockout stuff that happened, are you still excited that Major League Baseball is coming back? And if you are, who are what are some of the big storylines that you're looking at going into the season that should carry the rest of the way through? Well, considering that the Tigers might actually be fun for the first time in eight or nine years, uh, yeah, I am. I am looking forward to that. Uh, seeing Javi Baez in a Tiger uniform, seeing seeing those young guys, Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, seeing them at the big league level, uh, presumably, hopefully, opening day. Uh, I am excited for that. So that that part is what I'm looking for as a selfish Tigers fan. Uh, across baseball, there's there's a lot to look at. I would uh, I, I'm still curious where Correa is going to end up. He might end up back in Houston. So I'm I'm more I'm more curious about the transaction part of it, uh, at least at the moment, just because the 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 transactions aren't complete until, uh, especially a guy like Correa ends up uh, signing somewhere. That that's that's the biggest one for me at the moment. Uh, I would I the Dodgers lineup is now even more friggin' filthy and it was already <laughs> filthy and then they go ahead and sign Freddie Freeman because you know the Dodgers uh, the Dodgers are basically the new age Yankees and they get any free agent that they want that's uh, that's my that's probably the biggest thing I'm looking forward to seeing is seeing that Dodgers lineup because that that's that's gonna be filthy. Uh, the the Mets actually are strangely interesting too. Uh, you know they they signed Max Scherzer, so they have Max Scherzer and Jacob Degrom, and very uh, very well could have the potential to have uh, one of the one of the best one two punches at the top of a rotation in Major League Baseball history. I should know because we had Scherzer and Verlander at one point, and also had one of the best one twos in Major League history, especially for that time because. They both uh, they both won Cy Young awards with the Tigers, in fact. So yeah, those are those are some of the things that uh, off the top of my head are, are what I'm looking forward to this baseball season. All right, so here is my next question for you about Major League Baseball. I'm going to give you three names, and I'm going to ask you which one you're most surprised has not been signed yet. Because there's a few out there where it kind of blows my mind that they're somehow still available. So you already mentioned one of them with uh, Carlos Correa. We're actually going to skip him because I feel he probably would take top billing for you. But Trevor Story, still unsigned. Then you get into other things, and it's a line drive to left field for Nick Castellanos. Nick Castellanos, still available right now. And then the last one, Kenley Jansen, the relief pitcher from the Dodgers. Out of those three, who are you most surprised is actually still available out there? I, I'd say I'd say Nick Castellanos. It's Castellanos also, Matt. That's a fine. You said his name slightly wrong. Uh, I think I'd go Castellanos. He also is a former Tiger, so he has that going for him too. Uh, I think I'd go him just because of how good he was last season in Cincy. Uh, Trevor Story's great. The only, I think the issue, I think the only reason he hasn't been signed yet is because he may or may not be willing to switch to playing second base from shortstop. Uh, that's, I think, the biggest thing that's keeping him from securing a deal. I think Kenley Jansen will get signed, obviously, sooner than later. Uh, I think it's probably just a money thing for him at, at the at this point. 
um, because he still has some has some I think years left as a as a closer as a as a as a bullpen guy. I think I think Cassianos would be the biggest uh, biggest for me uh, out of out of those guys you mentioned. Uh, Story I think might have the biggest impact depending on uh, if he does in fact make make a switch to second base because the the hot rumor for him is that he's going to end up in Boston and be their second baseman so they can uh, keep their left side of the infield with uh, Bogarts at short and Devers at third. That that would certainly make uh, the Red Sox uh, even bigger players in that. Uh, AL East because I mean really both both the AL and NL East have gotten it feels like almost all of the free agents when you look at uh, I mean aside from the people that the Dodgers have because the AL East you got the Yankees you got the Blue Jays and you got the Red Sox and then the Rays are still there too the Orioles are you know doing what they can and starting to get better but the i mean the NL East with everything everything the Mets have done this offseason the Phillies getting Schwarber in addition to having Harper and Wheeler and all those guys in Philly and the Braves are still the Braves they've traded for Matt Olson i think that's a that's going to be a key move he's obviously not quite as good as Freddie Freeman but he's he's not a whole lot below what you're getting you got from Freddie Freeman and your getting him at a little bit of a better better price as well. Yeah, those are those are some of the big things that uh that I think uh that I think could happen uh, this baseball season. Those the at the NL AL East are are crazy stacked and yeah, it's it's I'd be I'd be I also would be surprised to see if the uh, not the Dodgers, but if the Giants can do anything close to what they did last year to prove last year wasn't a fluke. And if the uh, Padres can kind of get over that hump, that because they were close to making the playoffs a season ago, but you know, with having having the Dodgers beat the Dodgers and having the Giants have the season they did, that uh, that knocked them out of contention in in the uh, in the NL West. So with uh, with with a young guy like Tatis, if he can come back healthy too, that's gonna be gonna be a big big thing as well. So that's that's about all the baseball thoughts that I had off the top of my head. Okay, well, I'm going to throw one more at you before I allow you to wrap this thing up for the intro of season two. Because we do have a new baseball team amongst us in the form of the Cleveland Cash, because I mean the Cleveland Guardians. It's they, they're they're no longer named after I their think, favorite player. I think the, I think the Reds are uh, are nipping at the at the heels of the Guardians with the moves they made, though. Well, it, here here's my question for you, because I'm looking at this free agent tracker and Jorge Soler, am I saying his name correct? Soler or Soler? Soler. Soler. Jorge Soler is still available. Seems like he absolutely fits a specific need that the Cleveland Guardians have. So I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to pose it to you this way. What is more likely to happen? Jorge Soler signs with the Cleveland Guardians. The other or the Cleveland Guardians trade Jose Ramirez to the Toronto Blue Jays for two utility infielders and cash considerations. Well, the Blue Jays, uh, the Blue Jays already signed a second baseman, so I think you're you're good on the Blue Jays. I think if you do, they signed. They signed. uh, They signed. They got Matt Chapman, the A's second baseman. Oh, see, from what I heard on that one, they're thinking of moving Chapman to either short or third, potentially. You can do the same thing with Ramirez if you were to get him. So yeah. I, that that might not completely 
uh, kill kill that possibility, but I do think that's certainly less likely than it would have been before a move like that. So okay. I I I don't know. It's I'm both surprised and not surprised at what we've seen from from our Ohio baseball teams over over the last week because the Reds certainly seem like they're getting ready for another full fledged rebuild, and we've already known what Cleveland has done over over especially the last year plus once uh, once they traded Lindor, and if if they do if they do the same thing to Ramirez. I mean, I'm sh- I'm the front office has proved they know how to get some good guys back in these trades as we've seen over the last handful of seasons, but it doesn't replace it doesn't replace Lindor, it doesn't replace Ramirez, it doesn't it just doesn't flat out replace those guys that are top tier MVP type guys. Exactly. Okay, so last question I have on this one cuz I'm too biased and I know how <laughs> I'd answer it. I'm just way too biased about this. When it comes to the Cleveland Guardians, who is going to have a higher payroll? The Cleveland Guardians or Carlos Correa? What is what is the Guardians number? Currently it is at I think 32.5 million, but they're trying to get it down to 29 million. Uh I think he'll be right around that for this year. Yeah. So, I do. So that makes it an even 30 players. I, I, I'd call that I'd call that a push. Who are they saving the money for? Who? Themselves. Their pockets. Then sell the team, Dolans. I'm tired of rooting for the cash considerations and for utility infielders. And then we accidentally get someone good for three years. And then I watch them be a Brave or a Yankee or a Met or God even. It's been a couple times it's been like a giant or a cardinal as well. It's sell the team. What are you doing? Just sell the team. On that note, that'll do it for this edition of Lance and Matt Plus, our first episode of season two of the podcast. Thank you again for listening and have a great rest of your day and enjoy NCAA basketball all season long, especially this coming weekend.